Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. Today is Friday, February the 15th, 2019, and this is a special edition of LOA Today with our special guest, Dr. Paulette Sherman, who is here to talk about relationships, which is appropriate for this time of year because we just passed Valentine's Day and uh, for many people, past the anguish of Valentine's Day, for other people, past the joy of Valentine's Day. It depends who you talk to, but uh, you know, depending on what your circumstances in, in life, it can be uh, either uh, wonderfully triumphant or it can be traumatic. So we figured this is a good good thing to talk about this year, and this is right in Dr. Sherman's bailiwick. So that's why we figured this would be a good thing to uh, talk about. So, Paulette, thanks for joining me here on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Walt. So, so let's let's give people a little idea about you and where you come from and who you are and all that kind of stuff. So, give us the the potted biography. Uh, you know wh- how you got into this whole thing. I mean, you're a psychologist. You you have a doctorate in psychology, I believe. Um, now, tell us about you. Okay, my name is Paulette Doctor Sherman. <laughs> I'm a psychologist. I specialize in romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I started off for 15 years doing dating. And I also have done a lot of couples therapy. So I kind of actually have been able to see clients, you know, before they were single, you know, when they were single to meeting the person to getting married. And then sometimes if they have issues, you know, as a parent or um, even when they're married, they'll come back to me, which is really awesome. So I get to see people across the lifespan. And I really love what I do. Um, You know, I've been a psychologist for probably 20 years or a therapist. So I have a master's and doctorate in clinical psych um, and done a lot of different things. But now I really love specializing in this area. And what? I've also written, you know, different books, many on relationships. Yeah, you've written how many books have you written now? You've written quite a few. So I'm about to launch book number 22. 22? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it's because it's really, I do love to write and I probably would have written some books anyway, but I'm a mom of two, so I definitely would have written that many. But uh, when I had breast cancer, I decided to write a legacy of books. I had a very serious type of breast cancer seven years ago, and it really mm-hmm. helped propel me because I always wanted to write and leave my messages behind. So I was yeah. leaving them for my kids and stuff in, in their hope chests. And knock on wood, thank God, I'm, I'm very healthy right now. So Great. That's fabulous. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations yeah. on recovering from that. That's good. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about what some of the most um, – popular, I'm not sure popular is the right word, common, maybe is the better word, the most common kinds of issues that people bring to you as a coach. And by the way, I'm, I'm seeing people who are streaming in, uh, listening to the live stream. If anyone has a question for Dr. Sherman that you'd like to ask during the live streaming portion of this, um, we'd be happy to include your question. So feel free to type it into the comments section. But uh, Paulette, I mean, what's, what's the, what are the number one or number two or number five or whatever, the top issues that you get from people on a regular basis? That's a good question. Um, for singles, I definitely get a lot of the same issues. Once in a while, I'll get somebody who has social anxiety or fear of asking women out or fear of going on dates. A lot of times, it'll be different types of self-esteem issues, like maybe they haven't had a lot of relationships or they haven't had sex or a lot of sex, and they're worried they'll be judged for, for that. But a lot of times, right. it's actually that they're judging themselves more than the fact that other people might care. Um, so there's self-esteem issues. There's issues of taking inaction. They, you know, they know that they want to find somebody, but they just can't seem to make themselves do anything about it to actually go on a date or right. take any action. Sometimes it's stuff from the past that's holding them back, like they've been cheated upon or they've been broken up with or they have limiting beliefs or, or difficult early childhood issues like trusting men or trusting, you know, or seeing their parents have a very difficult marriage. So that's their blueprint and they replay that. So sometimes 
you know, my first book, Dating from the Inside Out, was divided into three parts. And I would say that that really summarizes my philosophy and how I work and the issues that I see. So the first part is anything that's unconscious dating, any limiting beliefs from your past that kind of need to be worked through or removed. The second part is like liking yourself and who you show up as because you are who you attract. So that whole thing, like your life, feeling satisfied, feeling complete, marrying yourself so that you attract in something similar at the same level of consciousness, a person. And the last part is the action piece and sort of like taking action to show the universe what, what, what it is you want to manifest. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So quite a, an array there. I saw an yeah. article yesterday and I was just remembering this. I, I tried to do a quick lookup, but I couldn't find it right now, but it was an article by a researcher and I can't remember what her name was, but she had, she, she had cited a number of statistics about, uh, what's going on currently, particularly among, uh, singles more so than people who are already in relationships. Cause you mentioned singles. And she said that I think it was some, some huge number who had had one night stands and another huge number that <laughs> were trying, <clears throat> excuse me, who were trying alternative living relationships and a variety of things. And, and she was looking at the data and trying to understand what the pattern was. And came to the conclusion that what's really going on here is that because of the way modern online dating works, because online dating is pretty much dominating the scene these days, because of the way it works, uh, people today, millennials particularly, are trying to find ways to figure out how to find that right person and be sure that they're getting into it. Her hypothesis was that people are deathly afraid of divorce. I'm not sure if that's really true, but... She, her, her way of explaining it was they will do anything they can in order to make sure they find the right person so that the relationship lasts for the rest of their lives. What do you think of that theory? I have a question first. And also, if you find that article, I'd love it if you could send it to sure, me. Sure, yeah. And, you know, I have an RSS feed, but I don't read everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, um, but what I was going to say is when you say that they'll try to do anything, was she saying that that's why they're doing online dating more? Or well, it's, why, it's more, why they're trying relationships or it, it, it's from the way i read it now i i have to admit i read it quickly yesterday and i didn't spend a lot of time on it but from what i read it sounded like she was saying this is a coping mechanism for dealing with the limitations yeah. of online dating because online dating you don't usually have that much on that that interpersonal connection at first so you're making decisions based on text messages and profiles and photos and all that kind of thing um, whereas, you know, for those of us who found our partners before online dating even came along, we, we just, our <laughs> primary thing was just to meet them. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does seem yeah, like you that. So I think that online dating isn't as romantic, right? Obviously, although mm. I've seen, luckily, I'm in the, the good position of seeing some love stories and happy endings where mm. people meet in a stilted way, maybe online, but then they quickly get offline. And it's amazing. I think I was telling you this before, Walt, how you still end up getting all these amazing synchronicities, right. even though they happen to meet on a portal, right? right? Where they have the same nationality, all these other things. So it's interesting. A lot of attraction can kind of get in the crack no matter what it is, I feel. Oh, yeah. Um, as to like the one night stands and stuff, I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. I did read several articles, like I guess a year ago, about and even in the New York Times or different things about how more people are just like hooking up and courtship is dead. And, you know, and maybe that's, you know, part of the fact that online dating has kind of made everything feast or famine, right? There's so many mm. different people. There's all these ghosting and different behaviors that sort of like have taken a turn for the worse, maybe. Mm. Um, in terms of our culture. And so then that might spill over into even everyday life, right? Not to say that right. not hooking up is bad 
or having one night stands is bad. I mean, it could be also that there's less stigma for women now, right? It used to be that, you know, right. you're bad if you're a woman because if you have sex, but it's great oh, if you're yeah. a guy. That was and huge. And now, thank God, it's not really like that, right? right. And even I sometimes speak about characters like now we no longer have sex in the city, but there was Samantha and, you know, even that right. show kind of legitimized the fact that women could have fun and have relationships for different reasons and everything um, and be powerful. So I feel like it's good in some things that have shifted in the dating etiquette. And I wrote a book about that called when Mars women date, which is like women can ask men out and different things that I'm seeing now where women mm. make more money in marriages and men make less and they can still, you know, have equal partnerships in different ways. So anyway, I feel like, um, to answer that question, I don't think that it's bad that there's more hookups if people are just having sex for fun and not necessarily getting into a relationship. Um, but I also don't think that just because there's online dating that you can't be your soulmate or discern who's good for you. Right. And that's hopefully what I'm going to do in my upcoming book, mm -hmm. uh, which is Facebook dating uh, from first date to soulmate, which is really uh, let people know that you can meet people online. And in some ways, the data has shown that you can be more discerning because they're actually finding, which is actually a surprise to me, that people get married um, sooner, I think, and longer uh, if they meet online, which is interesting. Yeah. You don't think that? Right? Yeah, that Especially because of all the bad behavior that's out there, but there is more information up front. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of use your head as well as your heart. And even though we all want to use our heart right. and also the of attraction, right? It is also good to use your head and see sort of over time and come from that place because it is a huge decision when you're getting mm -hmm. married. It's a little different than just having fun. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge thing. And yeah. uh, Jamie actually has our first question. She says, is it possible to find or meet the right person without online dating today? Anything's possible, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> I welcome it. I mean, I'm a huge romantic. I watch homework all the time. Just ask my kids, my <laughs> husband, but I'm like a huge romantic. So I love the better the story, you know, that's good for me. But, uh, I, you know, I do think it's difficult because it sounds romantic. But then when I try to find out different options from my clients, and I've been doing this for years, and they'll come in and tell me things, you know, because I'm not out there in the field in the way anymore. And they'll tell me, like, oh, I paid a 1000 or $2,000 before I saw you for this dinner thing, and it was horrible. It was oh, better online. Or somebody once told me they went to a $25,000 matchmaker, and that person was getting matches off of online. Oh my so they God. Just really? You know, and I'm not saying that's always the case because I'm always happy when there's new things. I mean, I live in New York, so I'm always saying someone's got to think of something great in New York where, right. you know, it's offline. I was interviewed in Cosmo about dating app burnout and they were asking me, what are some of these things? And I just have some things to offer. There are these parties, these underground parties, or obviously there's, you know, meetups. And I think they're a little better if you're not just standing there drinking, if you're actually going to say, go to a law of attraction meetup. So it's right. a win-win, right? You're meeting like-minded people. And sometimes they'll be for singles. So you could go to a movie anyway, and then they're for singles. So I like the idea of that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times the idea doesn't manifest. It might be all women. If you're a woman, there's no guy. You know what I'm saying? So you, there's always that. You can pay a certain amount of money, and you should look at whether it's reasonable and then ask, what is the ratio? If it's speed dating or there are several um, iterations of that now that are more hipper. I shouldn't say that's not a good one, but other kinds where you're sort of standing up instead of sitting down and there's a bell. So, you know, people have tried that as well. So, yeah, I think it, the best may be an organic meeting, right? Where you're not, it's that whole meet you where you're not expecting to meet anyone. You're just being yourself and having fun. Mm -hmm. And then you meet and bells go off, you know, that's probably the best, but going live to meet people is definitely work too. And sometimes you get all dressed up and pay and, you know, and it's good to do everything, but, mm -hmm. uh, and then you're disappointed. So, I'm also curious about something else because now that I think about it, the way my wife and I met, 
I'm not sure if it would even happen anymore. So I got to ask you, is this something that still <laughs> happens? My wife and I, I were, my wife and I were introduced. Well, we were introduced to each other. Um, my wife was, was a psychotherapist actually for about 10 years, uh, marriage and family therapy. And, uh, well, the full story is back when she was in training for her masters, they, you know, speaking of, of the lists that you can make, because coaches are always having people make lists, she was told to make a list of the characteristics of her ideal mate, which she did for the class, and then she put it in a drawer and forgot about it, and then spent the next 10 years both being a therapist and working on herself. Well, 10 years into it, she's getting tired, of, kind of tired of being a, a therapist, and uh, she's also getting kind of tired of being alone, and uh, she had a cat that had been with her for 16 years. The cat dies. This is November 2007. Two months later, I'm not 2007, 1997, excuse me. Um, two months later, a friend asked her, are you going to get another cat? And without even thinking about it, she says, no, I'm going to get a husband. Right. <laughs> and then she, spent the, then she spent the next couple of months asking everybody she could think of, who do you, do you know of any emotionally available, healthy, single males? And she asked a whole bunch of people it's about like this. It's a joke, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so what they say? And she got a lot of, uh, I don't know, babies, let me get back to you, all that kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, she asked, she's a therapist, she was a therapist, so she asked all the therapists she knew as well. And one of them was named Deborah. Deborah was also a friend of mine. I was involved in a swing dance community at the time. And... Uh, I don't know why Deborah thought of me because there, it was a fairly good sized community and there were a lot of men, a whole lot of men, and a lot of them were single. For whatever reason, she thought of me and, and I even asked her about it on our wedding day because we had Deborah sit at our head table with us. And I asked her, what made you think of me? And she says, I don't know. You just came to my mind. <laughs> well, that's a high grade, right? That's I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, obviously it worked out very well in the long run. Uh, And by the way, when Louise pulled out that list later on, it was check, 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 check. Everything was checking off on the list. That's that's a lot of attraction, There it is. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, I wish more people would do that. But but, but that's my question. Is this this like out of the norm now? Does this not happen anymore where people don't ask or or get help from others to match up? Well, I was going to say to you, and I know that there's everything has its – good and bad, right? Mm. But being in New York, they think it's so great. And I do tell people it's better to be in sometimes in big cities or they tell me, right, when you're dating, because if you're in a remote town, there's only so many people or you have to commute. But on the other hand, like what you're saying, I was imagining, you know, maybe that happens more. I don't know. We can't stereotype, but like in a small town where there's more community. Because I remember when I used to live in media PA after my doctorate, um, you know, I just, it was so nice to have that group. It took a while to develop, but right. everybody knew everybody and it was just such a friendly town. It was, I loved it. And it's not that New York's not friendly. I'm a New Yorker. I love New York, but it's just everybody's kind of doing their own thing. And when you get older, sometimes you don't have those natural settings as much, right? When you're in mm-hmm. college or you're going to all these parties or your friends are single or else they're all married and tired and, you know, like from high school and with kids or whatever. So, it's it's not to say it's impossible and you can still develop a group of single friends, but it is harder to get people to fix you up. And sometimes people are afraid, which I don't think is good, that if it doesn't work out, you'll blame them, right, or it'll be awkward. So um, that should be an initiative for people to try to fix people up more because it is a nice thing. My parents met that way too. Is that right? Yeah? No yeah. Kidding. Okay. I, I mean, I, I'm not even sure how to make it fit in with the current situation because the current situation is pretty much dating apps. And other online dating. Well, this is why. This is what I'm telling you. And I can't blame everyone. I know several people have fixed people up, and whether it works or not. 
but it's just that people are so busy. Mm. Um, you just disappeared, Walt, but I guess that's okay. Oh, dear. <laughs> Let me see things. if I can get money back here. I, this this app tends to do that for me every once in a while if I hit the wrong key. It's okay. I'm just looking at, like, this thing that says <laughs> Walt with, like, lines going up and down for the extra card. It's like, get you. Okay. Hi. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I forget what I was going to tell you that, oh, yeah, that I feel like, um, because people, at least in New York, and that's sort of who I work with most in person, I right. do online coaching too. But I feel like they're so busy and it's enough for them to go to work to these long hours and then try to see their friends, try to see their family. So this is something that they can do 15 minutes, three times a week in their pajamas and then pick their favorite bagel place and, you know, for a first meeting and just meet someone and then go right. about their life. So in that way, it is really nice and convenient. It's not too expensive. There's tons of people, and especially, you know, just using Facebook as an example, right? There could be 2 million people. So mm. uh, so it's just really, and it's free. So now there's free websites. So, I mean, I feel like it is worth a try. It doesn't have to be the only thing in your bailiwick that you try, but mm-hmm. um, it is a way to get your target audience in front of you, so easily. <laughs> Jamie shared a comment again. She says, I guess I'm looking for a guy that does not have a tender profile. <laughs> A tender one? A tender profile. A tender. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's other dating sites, Jamie. <laughs> I'll give up. Oh, yeah. Because if you would go on there, and maybe you wouldn't, but, you know, that's what I always tell people. I used to be so stigmatized when I was first being a dating oh, coach, really? too. And people go, oh, I, have to wear, I don't want to have my picture on there, which makes it really unlikely. I mean, not because uh, people only care about it. It makes it so much better to have a picture, right? That right. people will look more. Um, and now, I mean, everybody's on there. And if you would go on there, there might be someone just like you. So I oh, think really? it's important to keep in mind. But, I mean, so much of this, the terminology is so new. I mean, I, when I don't remember who it was, somebody talked to me about a hookup one time. I said, a hookup? What do you mean? I don't understand what you hookup. <laughs> Isn't that where you just meet somebody? <laughs> I had no idea what they were talking about. And then they mentioned tender. I said, what's tender? I don't know what that is. <laughs> but yeah. So much of the terminology is, has been a affected by and, and driven by what's going on online and you have to you have to and kind of be new terms every day i don't know if it's the journalists or who's making them up but you know it's hard <laughs> to even keep track i had like 15 and now there's more new ones every single day being coined like wow. somebody you know has a bad date and then they want the venmo you know them to venmo the money back <laughs> yeah there's a term for that you know it's like Jeez. that kind of makes things if you can have a sense of humor it makes things kind of i fun, guess but. well you it sounds like you have to have a sense of humor um exactly one of my co-hosts is Alex King, and she she met somebody through one of these apps, and I I can't remember what the name of the app is, um, but she just met him within the last month, month and a half, and and she had she was she was like so many of us. I when, when Louise and I met, I had pretty much given up on dating. I'd thrown in the towel because I'd had so many bad situations one after another, and of course, as soon as I threw in the towel and let the resistance go, that's when she shows up, um, but. For somebody who's dealing with the online situation, Alex had given in and just, she basically turned off her app. She just, she allowed the notifications to come, but that was about it. She wasn't checking anything. And then when she got into that mode, she got this contact from this guy and, and they, they met. And the, one of the things that she liked about the way they met is, um, they're doing their first texting, their, te- their, their messaging online. And he, he writes to her at one point, I really don't like doing this texting thing. Would you mind if I called you? And she said, well, that's new. <laughs> I don't get that. And I'm thinking to myself, that's really? They don't, now. nobody calls? Really? I'm thinking, holy cow. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and then she said to him, sad, right? 
Yeah, right. I don't know. It just seems strange to me. Well, this lead, I'm leading up to a point, but let me get through the story first. Um, and so she says, well, it depends. What, what are your intentions toward me? And his reply is, well, my intention is to uh, shower you with flowers and treat you, treat you right. She says, oh, good, good. Okay, yeah, I wanted to do that. <laughs> Aww, <very laughs> Which was great. And it has turned into something for her. Looking, it's looking very good. But one of the comments I made to her, we did a, a, a show up on the, con- on the um, topic of dating apps a few months back. And one of the first things I asked her was, I don't quite get the dating app thing because – how do you actually get to know somebody when you're when you're using this dating app? How do you actually find out who they are? You, I mean, there's no there's no body language, there are no cues, nonverbal cues. There's none of that. And she looked at me. She said, "Exactly, that's the problem. I don't know how to do that." <laughs> what you do is you meet the people first online, but only take it not so far, and then you meet in real life. So you still have your love story of meeting, you know, from the first date forward. But it's a way to sort of scope out and discern and have more people in front of you. Because if you think about it, I tell people the reality, even though, again, that's not my favorite scenario either. But if you're walking down the street, what's the likelihood you're going to meet someone right, in the right. bookstore? It's impossible. And you can increase your chances by smiling. I've talked to women about yeah. that, by being friendly, by starting conversations, by not being passive. Uh, you know, and of course, there are plenty of opportunities. The universe could pluck someone in your path, right, if that's the case. But... You know, it's just that so many of us have our days full, and this just, you know, gives you a much bigger window, past than that wider. So how does that so online, I, think, I mean, because I've never done the online dating, so I'm I'm really a novice at the, the whole thing. How does that online date work? I mean, uh, you're, you're trying to get some, you're, you're trying to get more than just what's on the, the written page. You're trying to get a sense of who they are. How does, is it done like on a video format, or how does it work? Well, I think there will be video. I don't know if there already is, if they're going to be linked with the um, Facebook platform, for example, and some of them might have video. And you can always do that as well because people will say, a lot of my clients will say, just call me, Mm -hmm. right? It depends how feminist they are as a woman, but they might want to, like, have several steps, like first just exchange messages, then talk on the phone, right? Or or they start texting a lot of times or go on WhatsApp, then see each other. They could do that, like see each other, right, on FaceTime or something like that, or so many programs that people use, and then meet up. So, I mean, there can be a series of steps like that um, so that you could see each other. But generally, it does just start, like, without that for safety reasons, I guess, because a lot of times when people are in fear, they want to protect themselves, right? So they want to know that it's the real person, which hopefully, like, something like Facebook would would authenticate, but they want to... um, you know, kind of first just talk and see if they're normal before they give out their phone number or their personal phone. They want to kind of check out their criminal record or something or Google them before they actually meet in person. So there's pros and cons to both, right? Because if you just meet someone in a bar, you don't know their background, and that sounds more romantic, but maybe in the end it's not. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's the reality, unfortunately, we live in, I guess, and it depends what you prefer. And it's something that we didn't really have to deal with 25 years ago, but it is something that people have to deal with now. So that does first the question. What's yeah, that? I don't know. I mean, it does seem like there weren't as many horror stories, right? Yeah. Like in terms of people being married or not saying being who they say they're going to be and things like this. But I mean, it probably did still happen, right? It's just that yeah, so I mean, many networks. You connected. had to be careful. That's true. And, and there was, I, I mean, women especially were careful, but it just seems to have been amped up in the last 20 years or so. It just seems more so than it was. Dating is really fascinating because I remember reading this book about the history of dating. And when it first started, like the mothers would invite 
the guys to the house, like almost like a calling card, and they would be present. So, I mean, there weren't safety issues really because you knew their family. Right. They had yep. to be invited. You know what I mean? Sometimes there were chaperones. So yep. it's all changed a whole lot. No kidding. No yeah. kidding. So, so what, what do you recommend to somebody who, who has concerns, you know, legitimate concerns about safety issues? What, what do you recommend that people do? Oh, well, I think definitely it's good to take steps or be, you know, precautionary steps. So the first thing is to sort of sense if somebody's crossing the line, even verbally in messages, because some of these apps, they don't allow pics because they'll send inappropriate pictures, sexual pictures. That's ready to know you can block them, right? Mm -hmm. You can report them to the site. Um, also, if they start sort of innuendos and you feel like that's not appropriate, I haven't even met this person yet. That's probably no. So you kind of know for yourself what your boundaries are and you make that clear. So you're sort of setting the tone to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. And um, you can get to know them for a while. Generally, people will do it, exchange at least three messages about each other mm -hmm. and maybe get their name so they could Google the person. Cause that's, and you can even do Google images, like, right, if you had a picture or something, you could check that way um, and check and see. Sometimes people will Google, like, where did they work to make right. sure that they're legitimate that way. So at least there's, like, a trail, right? Mm -hmm. And then often I say to people, just for their anxiety level, just think of it as, like, a meeting. Don't put a lot of pressure. Is this my husband? You know, that's too much. And, like, you know, you get all dressed up, and it's even more disappointing. So I'll say, you know, keep it low-key the first meeting. Most people like to get drinks because I feel like that will help them relax. But personally, mm -hmm. I would rather tell them, just go to your favorite bagel place, like, on a Saturday or Sunday because then you have your whole day. If that person's willing the first day to just meet you there, be friendly, even if you don't like them, you know, have a good vibe, good dating karma, and then just leave and go about your day. No big deal. And then if it's really something, then you'll do something longer or the date will be extended, right? Um, and that keeps it really low key and you, and it's in your environment. Obviously, you don't want to tell them where your hoss is. You don't want to get in their car, that kind of thing, even though in the olden days, it's very polite for a guy to pick you up, right? To walk you home. Not a good idea, let's say, or vice versa. You know, a guy for a woman, you just don't know who the people are, right? right? And you want to kind of see if they're married, if there's a criminal record. There's even apps for that now where you can, um, you know, like a criminal record app where you can check right away for free. Mm -hmm. So those are some things, unfortunately. Also, there's even apps that I don't like this, but they can call you and pretend you have to leave. You know, there's but there's ways to what? like tell your, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Stop, stop. I don't understand. Your, Do this again. <laughs> so there's some kind of an app that. If you're having a bad time, they even showed it on Sex in the City or something, but I can maybe that was a real person, but where you can press a button or something and it'll call you and you can pretend like you're having a call or you, or you oh. get a text to say you want to leave. <laughs> so, and Got actually it. there's even like, I read that there was a nail polish, which I found really interesting because unfortunately I've had cases where people have had things put in their drinks, even if they're not oh, dating, goodness. like a party, it's really happening a lot more. It's scary. Wow. And you can put the polish in the cup and it'll tell you if it has that drug um wow. there's even straw now so i don't know how readily available that stuff is it was supposed to be launching soon but i think it's a great thing because that's very scary people don't remember what happened they yeah. pass out yeah. so there's those kind of scary things and there's also bars um I, some bars i don't know if they're everywhere now but where you can go up to the bartender and there's like a code word and they'll call the police or walk you to your car uh, you can go to the bathroom and text a friend like, hey, I need to or call the police, whatever. So God forbid those things happen. But it's good to have sort of like a pain plan in place so that right. if you don't feel safe or something doesn't feel right, you can get help. And, you know, that doesn't all these ideas or limiting beliefs don't stop you from even getting on the playing field, which isn't helpful. Well, it's good to know that what I used to do isn't archaic because I used to ask, you know, let's meet in a place like a coffee shop. I, I preferred actually that kind of thing. And I found that... Uh, 
women more re- were more receptive to meeting in a place like that. Um, so I'm well, we're sympathetical, but I will tell you that I've had women come in, and I'm not judging them, but everybody's different. And they said, you know, oh, he took me to a coffee shop. Like I'm not going out with him again. And I'm like, well, maybe he didn't know. You know, it's like a first date, maybe because I think they think you should impress them the most, like the first date, and not really? be cheap or, or so. Everybody's different, I guess. Wow. But I personally tell like my guys that I coach, you know, that don't just keep it every time dinner, 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 because you can see different sides of somebody and loosen up more if you're playing mini golf or walking in botanical gardens or in mm. different situations. So I think it's good to mix it up. Uh, we have another question this time from Siraj. He's asking, whoops, oh, I just knocked my video out again. Well, <laughs> at, least, at least now I know how I'm doing it, so that's good. I can get this back okay. on here. Learning. But yeah, oh yeah, this, this stuff's fun. He says, do you believe in twin flames? He wants you to share your thoughts. I about do. The I just spoke about that yesterday. Is it Siraj? Siraj. Yes. Yes. Siraj. Okay. Hi. Um, I was actually on the Serious Ways magazine, and they're very into like mysteries and miracles of love. So I was talking about twin flames, and I do. I actually just saw this movie I liked um, with Ruth about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I mm-hmm. think it was called On the Basis of Sex. Yeah, we saw that and one I too. I was really taken. I was so taken by her marriage, you know, and mm. I was so excited about it because. I thought it was so beautiful how he helped her because often it's the other way around. I mean, it should be both ways, but they really accomplished it together. I mean, her success was a lot also due to her merit, but also because he was such an encourager of her at a time where other men weren't like that. Um, That's just one example, right? I mean, there's so many examples, whether they're political or even just something like, you know, my husband and I are both therapists, right? But I feel like that adds a level to your relationship that helps you evolve in your soul's mission because you have that in common and maybe do work together. Like there are a lot of famous therapists, couples therapists that actually do their work together, um, like the Hendricks, you know, or different people. So, or even scientists. So I think it's a beautiful thing because uh, your love and your soul's mission come together and make you that much more powerful in the world. Mm-hmm. So you help each other develop. Yeah. Well, I think that's key to any relationship. Um, it does raise yeah. a question in my mind though. Um, we hear the term soulmates, we hear the term twin flames. Do you think there's a difference between them and what, what defines that? What, what, what constitutes a soulmate or a twin flame? (laughs) That's what I was talking about yesterday. So, so it's interesting because in in a lot of religious texts, they talk about soulmates, right? Um, Mm. in the Talmud, which is a Jewish, they talk about when a, a child is born 40 days before God will shout out the name of the soulmate. So it's like predestined that there's a soulmate. And there's Adam and Eve, which are like two halves of, you know, male and female halves or whatever, helpmates. So it is a lot of traditions, whether you're religious or not. I'm not particularly religious, but I'm spiritual. There are that soulmate. And it doesn't mean something's wrong. I want to say if you haven't met your soulmate, maybe you attract somebody at the level of development you are. So maybe you meet your soulmate later. And maybe that sometimes you come in and God wants you to work on something and not be distracted, right? Or like instead of having a marriage to work on and kids, which can be very distracting, maybe you have this other huge mission in the world or something like that, even though we still have free choice to create what we want. So that's one thing. So soulmates, that's a romantic soulmate. But we also have a soulmate tribe. So we can have friends that are soulmates. Like I have this friend, Rachel, that I met. I remember the meeting. It was like in a cafeteria in high school. And, you know, when you don't know where you're going to sit. And just from that moment on, it was like, boom, I felt like I knew her before. And, you know, and sometimes we challenge each other, but 
it's like that very organic relationship where someone just kind of knows you and will tell you like it is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes soulmates are not only this wonderful, romantic, blissful thing where you have all these things in common. Sometimes it's that person that's going to rub against you to make you grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be a coworker. That could be, so there are more than romantic soulmates. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we could have more than one romantic soulmate as well if we're going through a different milestone in our life. We can meet someone else who's ready to help us or if you lose your husband or something or your wife. That can happen as well. So, I've often wondered about soulmates. I, I, I never really worried about it one way or another, uh, whether or not Louise mm-hmm. and I were soulmates. It was just like, well, hey, I'm, I'm happy to be with her. She's happy to be with me. I don't really care what you call it. But I was always kind of curious. I mean, do, do we qualify as soulmates? And one of the things that occurred to me while you're describing that is I had a dream, a recurring dream when I was 17, 18 years old. I had met this woman. She was... She seemed perfect for me, but I can't describe any better than that. Just, I, I felt like I knew this person so well and so forth. And the only thing that really confused me about it is that from one dream to the next, her hair color would change. So it, it was a little bit disconcerting. <laughs> Maybe she liked changing her hair color. A lot of us do. That was <laughs> well, I, I didn't know what to make of it. Of course, I'm 17 and 18, and, and this is long before I knew anything about law of attraction, long before I understood how dating worked. I mean, I, I, I went through 20 years of absolute death valley when it came to dating. And I, I basically, I didn't know this at the time. I didn't understand why I was having so much failure. I have since come to realize that um, very early on, I developed a, a negative uh, attachment, if you will, the belief that as soon as I met a woman, there was no way she was ever going to go out with me. And it became worse and worse over time. So it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, you know, all I had to do was just see somebody and say, well, she'll never go out with me. You know, it was just that bad. And you you know how that would go, right? So clearly I was no sophisticated dater. And I, and, and so when I'm having this dream, I mean, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to make any sense out of it. I basically forgot about it. Louise and I met when I was 41 she was 44. And so that's about, uh, what is that, 23, 24 years later, something like that. And we meet, and we go through our courtship, and we marry. And then a few years later, all of a sudden, I remembered that dream. And I remembered the woman in the dream. I remembered her face, and it was my wife's face. And I, Wow, the, you didn't tell that part before. That's amazing. And I, 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 I fell down the bed in tears. I couldn't believe it. I said, no, no, I must be remembering that wrong. But the more I remembered, it's like, yeah, that was the face. What How the heck did she have? That's amazing. <laughs> well, that was the part I couldn't quite make uh, make sense of. And then she told me, well, I kept changing my color over the years. So that's probably what was going on. Well, you just gave me chills. That's a great story. And on top of that, at the time that I was having the dreams, I remember asking her, you know, why can't we stay together? And she said, because we're not ready. This is what I'm saying. I feel like you need to evolve because we think that, oh, our life will be perfect when the person comes in and completes us. But no. You want to marry somebody at the level where you're complete. So, you know, you want to get ready and, and really commit to yourself first. So exactly. that's beautiful. I love that. Story. And also, like, what I was going to just say about twin flames, at least what they say about it, is that often it's your soul's mission in the world, which doesn't have to be work, but a lot of times it is. Mm. And you were telling me that you started this Law of Attraction podcast with her. So even though she was a therapist, and I don't know what you did before, Maybe this was your work to do together, and then that would make you twin flames, possibly. I guess. I mean, she didn't really stick with it like I did. We did a, f- a number of them together, and then she kind of lost interest, and I kept doing it. Um, and, and to carry on the story, um, not only did we figure all this stuff out later, but we one of the questions we asked early on was, why didn't we meet sooner? And Louise's 
instant answer was, if you had met me five years ago while I was still getting out of my codependence, you would have turned and run in the other direction as fast as humanly possible. We had to wait because we both still were working on stuff, which was true. We were, you know, so. Yeah, that's great. To I me, love that story. And, and, well, I love it too. And it's also nice for people to hear that you met in the 40s because one of the questions I got yesterday from the audience of the magazine was, I got it twice actually, was like, can people get married and meet later in life? And yeah. I was like, of course, you know. Um, Jung talked about it all the time. It's never too late to do anything, to work on yourself. To, you know, So I feel like that's great for people to hear, you know, because that's another limiting belief. I'll hear, oh, no men want to marry women over 35, and I'm 36, and the story, you know, and it's kind of mm. like, what? <laughs> you know? so, even though there might be a grain of truth to a lot of things, but it can't be the end of the story, and you're creating it in there inside, so then it can't happen outside, so... Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, when when I met Louise, I mean, literally two months before I had thrown in the towel, I'd just been through one of the most painful non-relationship relationships you can possibly go through. Um, and I, I, that's when I threw in the towel. I was done. I was in pain. I wanted to get out. I wanted to, uh, if I was going to be a bachelor the rest of my life, so be it. It was much better than going through this agony I was going through. And yeah. so then I, obviously I'm letting go at that point. And then she shows up. And at that point, before Deborah called me, Deborah was the one who, who connected us together. Uh, before she called me and after I, I had thrown in the towel, my whole belief was relationships don't work, especially over 40. There's no way, there's nobody out there for me. I really did believe that deep, deep down. I was like, I was convinced that you know, there are some people who just go through life single. That's all there is to it. And then a month later, I meet my wife. <laughs> I think what you're saying is so important because a lot of, one of the simple exercises I'll do is I'll tell people like, Write a list of what really makes you great catch. And everybody has things that make them great. You know, I've discovered that. And But they don't own them, right? They're only looking what maybe isn't working. And right. so they don't feel attractive and they're not sending that message out. So I think that's really important. And also knowing that it only takes one person, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it is hard to meet someone on a lot of different levels, no matter what age you are. But it only takes one person. And if you're in that situation, there could be people of your age or stage in a million other situations that just got divorced, lost their wife, just whatever the story is, right? So, now, Actually, yeah. the, the, the hardest part for me was after Deborah introduced us because there was still that part of me. I had, I had mostly let go of the idea that I was ever going to meet somebody. Now Deborah calls me up. Literally, the conversation went like this. Deborah calls me up. I said, hello. She says, hi, it's Deborah. I said, hey, Deborah, how are you doing? And she says, oh, I'm good. Hey, I've got a friend who wants to meet you. Can I give you her phone number? I was like, what? <laughs> this is the <laughs> just, just, you know, hit me in the face with it, right? <laughs> and so I explained to her, you know, I threw in the towel, and she knew the person that I had been previously involved with, you know. So um, I, I said, I, I'm just, I, I just got out of this thing with this other person who, you know, I don't want to even deal with all this stuff anymore. And she, and she, she pulled out her therapist hat, and she starts, you know, helping me see it in a more calm way and reconsider the options and all that kind of thing. And she basically talked me into uh, giving Louise a call. <laughs> Good therapist. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So she did. But anyway, I, yeah. I got the phone number for her. I found out that Louise liked to hear, uh, have her phone calls, do her, all her phone calling on Wednesday. So I was to call her on a Wednesday night. So I called her on Wednesday night. And I almost didn't do it, but... I, Deborah asked me to do it, so I did it because Deborah asked me. You know, it was that kind of thing. So I called her up, and we had a nice conversation. It lasted about two hours. But I still wow. had, yeah, yeah, it, was, it went really well. But I still had that thing, like, oh, no, no, relationships don't work out for me, right? So I said, well, you know, we'll just let it be that it was a good thing. We'll just leave it at that for a bit. A week later, Wednesday comes along again. All right, I'll try her one more time. So I called her one more time. We have another two-hour phone call. 
Wow. Okay. Well, this is good. I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, but this, <laughs> <laughs> my point is, I still had to overcome a lot of this. You need a lot this, of cognitive cognitive dissonance, right? Yeah, well, really. Like, yeah. To show, oh, it's okay, it's okay. I find that too because people will say to me, I can't get past the three date mark, or I can't get past the six month, and it's a belief. Of course, it's based on past experience, but you're living into it. Exactly. So then it takes like a couple times for them to be like, okay, now I'm okay with this, and oh yeah, I had some sexual experience, so I'm okay with this, and then that's just the way that they see their identity, and then that really is an opening, right? Right. So exactly. I think those are some really good lessons in there. But. Interesting. You mentioned the number three because three played a prominent role because it was the third phone call, which is also two hours. And after the third phone call is when I suggested <laughs> we meet. Um, and it turned out it, it was really ironic. We actually lived only about three miles apart, but we didn't know it. And we were both up oh. on, on higher elevations. So theoretically, we could have actually gone outside and looked and seen the other person <laughs> across at the other mountain, you know, which was pretty wild. But uh, anyway, I proposed that we meet at a place that was um, – halfway in between it was a, it was a restaurant and uh so we met and and uh <laughs> all i could tell you is it was one of the worst dates in history <laughs> it was awful <laughs> because i got there and i i had tried i'm very tall i'm six foot eight inches tall so i'm really really tall and i've been You're trying six to eight. I I'm six that. eight yeah oh yeah so I, I was trying to clue her in. Like, I'm a really, I don't think I told her exactly what the height was, but I'm really, really, really tall. And she said, oh, no, that's all right. It's all right. And I said, well, how tall are you? She says, well, I'm five foot six if I stand on my toes. And I like that. That was a good answer. So, and to yeah. me, that's pretty tall. <laughs> <laughs> but I still knew we're 14 inches apart. That's a, that's a pretty big difference, you know? And that had been an ongoing issue for me, too. You, know, you realize thing. that's a big advantage for you. I mean, maybe that's like a bit tall, so I don't know, but... Usually I get that problem with a lot of women. They're like, I cannot date somebody shorter than me or even the same height as me. And the, the guy can be like amazing, but they can't get past that for some reason. They feel. Well, I don't know what it is now. What, what I know is back when I was dating, uh, when a woman said she wanted to meet a tall man, what she meant was somebody between six foot and six foot three. Okay. So That's I was five, so I was five inches beyond the limit. <laughs> I would, I was too tall. I was too too high up there, too far away. She dealt with it, obviously, right? Well, it, yeah. it, it was an issue because when we met, now she saw how tall I was. And on top of that, she she wore this, this kind of beat-up straw hat because she thought it was quirky and fun. I thought it made her look like a hick. So we were not in a good, <laughs> good frame of mind there. And then we sat down at the table, and because of her own stuff that she she was still working on, she couldn't look me in the eye. So literally, I'm having the conversation looking at her hat, and she's looking down at the plate for the entire conversation. And after about 20 minutes, I said, this isn't going to work. <laughs> this is just not going to work. I'm sorry. This, I would love this to work. You but this say is it not out loud work. or to yourself? No, I'm, think, I'm saying it to myself. I'm saying it in my head. Like, how could, how could this possibly work? You know, so we, we finish up. We had a very short lunch. The lunch was terrible, too. That was the worst part. But um, we, we leave the restaurant, and... I'm not one of those guys who says, well, I'll call you with no intention of calling. I couldn't possibly say that. I, to this day, I don't know exactly what I said. But it was something like, nice to meet you, and you know, I, I hope you fight the right guy, and all that kind of thing. I mean, it was just, I was, yeah, like, literally, I mean, because I, I, I had no intention of calling her. It just didn't feel right at all. Fortunately, um, that same day, the exact same day of that date, uh, my friend Deborah was having a party. Because her birthday and my birthday and a third person's birthday are all within a few days of each other. And it was right right around that time. So the party was that night. 
So I go to the party and I see Deborah and she says, so how'd the date go? And I said, oh, don't ask. <laughs> it really wasn't very good. And she says, no, tell me. And so I explained to her and she says, so you're going to use the, the three date rule, right? And I said, Deborah's my kind of woman. She's like a very godmother. <laughs> <laughs> she was. She was good. Uh, and, and I said, I had no idea what the three date rule was. So she explained, well, you, it's where you give it three dates before you make a decision. And my reaction once again was, oh, really? Oh. <laughs> but I did. And I'm glad I did because the next date was a little bit better. And the date after that was a little bit better. And about a month later, we were together. And we've been together ever since. So. Great point too, because I think with soulmates, people expect all those good feeling, romantic exactly. vibes. You often get, you often do get that in the beginning, but then marriage is not like that. I mean, it's right. work, or it could be that the other way around, right? That sometimes the person rubs you the wrong way. Sometimes in, in Judaism, they talk about it in the Kabbalah, like you know, that could be the person that you hate in the beginning, right? Because yep. um, it's just they they get you on a deep level or they trigger you but they could actually be that person that will help you grow. So I think it's really important to be open and give things a little time. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It, it, you have to give it time. You have to be patient. And the good news is, I mean, I don't, I still don't know the answer as to whether or not we're soulmates or twin flames. What I do know is, boy, oh boy, are we on the same wavelength? I mean, there, yeah. uh, an example just yesterday, the, that movie uh, about Queen is out, Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, yeah. My yeah. son really wants to see it. I don't know if it's appropriate. My, and my husband's going to see it. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit on the but it's not that bad. How, it depends how old he is. It, I mean, it depends how old he is. He's anyway. 10 going on 35, you know? He, uh, he, he could probably handle it, but it, it, it's a little bit edgy for him. Anyway, yeah. um, we watched the movie, and it, it was a pretty good movie. You know, we were watching it on uh, pay-per-view. So after the movie was over, we, we watched it at night. We went to sleep. Next morning, we're, we're both kind of following up on it. So... Um, she was doing some stuff on her laptop, looking at looking stuff up and so forth. And I started doing the same thing. And at one point, I found the original Live Aid concert that Queen did. And that was a featured part of the, the movie. They actually recreated the Live Aid concert. And so I figured, oh, let's, let's watch this to see, you know, uh, how close it was to the original. And they, they were pretty faithful. They were pretty faithful to the original. Well, Louise comes in. And she says, oh, my God. And I turned to her. And I said, what? She says, I'm watching the exact same thing on my laptop. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. I mean, right? that that thing that happens with us all the time. We are so completely on the same wavelength, and it shows up in in unbelievable ways. I mean, we can if if we really want to, we could be like twins where we can complete each other's sentences. See, to me, those are all the signs that I spoke about yesterday. And you don't, you're right. Like it doesn't almost matter as long as you have a good working relationship. Yeah, right. You love each. But I think those are hallmark signs that people talk about, you know, when it's only like I had a few things, little things happen, like even my husband, which I, you know, didn't think of anything at the time, but it is like a synchronicity because um, my office, I had like this um, place that rents office space. It's a big, a big company in different buildings in the city. And so I was in one location and I had a lease for several years and then they didn't renew their lease, which was annoying. So they gave us all like a month's notice to change to another location. Mm. Luckily, it's only like 10 blocks away. So I just, I didn't have time to run all around. I wanted it to be easy for my clients. So I just sure. took the other location. Not knowing anything really bad, I just saw the office. It had a window. I like the office. It's a nice building. Then come to find out, my husband gets a new job. He's like, I think it might be around you. I was like, really? Where is it? Like, I mean, let me know the building. And I still didn't know the area well. Come to find out, it's in the same building. I was on the ninth floor, and he was on the fourth floor. <laughs> and then now he took, like, he's at a different location with the same job. He works in a health center that's, like, closer to our house. 
but it was very odd and things mm. like that happen all the time, you know, yeah. us. so like it's, it's sort of a re, re reaffirmation of the universe, right? That you're kind of in, in alignment. It's funny yeah. too, because I know that probably for most people, the idea of a twin flame or a soulmate or whatever is where you share everything in common, but I'm sure it's not true for you. It's not true for Louise and I, we don't have everything in common. We have a lot in common, but not everything. Yeah. And and I think that difference is actually more important than the similarity myself. Just not, well, you not, won't grow otherwise if you're like very exactly. yourself, yourself. You're just stagnant, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. But I guess you can still grow by putting out desires and seeing yeah. what comes out. But I mean, but it is true. Like that person makes you see your triggers yes. and you know what you need to heal. And so that's what's really good and hard about being in a relationship. So. And I think the other advantage you, you mentioned people being concerned about marrying later on in life. One of the big advantages to meeting somebody later on in life is if you have been doing work on yourself and if they've been doing work on themselves and then you meet, I don't know about you. Well, I imagine this is true for you too, just from what you're telling me, but it, with Louise and I, the, the, the common stereotype is uh, the marriage where uh, they love each other and there's a lot of passion, but there's a lot of fights and there's a lot of strife and struggle and so forth. And we don't experience that. I mean, we were kind of racking our brains recently trying to figure out what was the last time we had a fight. Then we fight, you know. We, we, we don't fight that <laughs> much. We we may disagree on things. Disagreement definitely have happens. Kids, right? No, we don't have kids, have kids, and that helps. So that's a whole other thing. I mean, I'm yeah. not saying that's why you could still definitely fight, but I feel like there is a less less going on sometimes, right? And more sort of time for each other, more free time. I don't know. That may not be the reason why, but I do find that, like I think, dear Abby said that when she interviewed couples that there was a lot more happiness for couples, believe it or not, who don't have kids as much mm. as I love dearly my kids and it's part of my destiny and I would never not have them. But, um, but she also said there's higher highs and lower lows, you mm. know, you because right. you're, not know. Sleeping, you're not sleeping, you're disagreeing on all these different levels about how to raise them. And it's a supercharged point. So, um, and you've less time for yourselves and each other. So it's quite possible. I mean, the theory that Louise and I go by is that we both did so much work on ourselves that we were whole in ourselves when we met. And if you're whole yeah. in yourself, you're, you're a lot less threatened by, you know, what another person thinks about you or what another person says about you. Or, you know, I said this and I think this and you think that and all that. It just doesn't, make that much of a difference so we'll disagree but we just we never get disagreeable about it because that's not the point the point isn't to turn it into a fight the point is simply well let's see how can we figure out a way to make this work and it's, it isn't you a compromise as well but if you if you do teach that class you were telling me about that i did that video for i think yeah. that you could also focus on like well, that you're a really good role model for like older people dating because i unfortunately everyone comes in with judgments and preconceived notions or maybe mm. it's like the people that come to me but i think in general and They'll come in and say, oh, there's a guy I really like. He's really cute, but he's 41. He's like an eternal bachelor, like Mr. Big, or he must have a lot of emotional problems because he never got married. Mm. And sometimes that can be the case, and it can be the case sure. with a woman, too. It's like they want to interview what are the reasons. Right. But you're right. Everybody's different. It could just be that, like, nothing that big, but that, that just wasn't – they weren't ready, you know, or they were on a mission to, yeah. like, discover themselves and enjoy their life, and they're doing it later in life. And so there are no real rules. Um, it's like when you're ready, you're ready and things show up. So I think it's, it's really good to have those. I always think positive models that can open up the, you know, the limiting beliefs and mm -hmm. see that it is possible and mm -hmm. to hear happy stories about it. So, well, I'll tell you, yeah. uh, if I can get that, uh, I'm, I, the, what you're referring to is I'm trying to, uh, 
explore the idea of doing a local workshop. And if I can get that going, I'm, I'm going to see if I can get you to come too, because I want to get another. I would love it. Well, I don't think Connecticut's that far. Unfortunately, we ditched our car in the Marie Kondo process. <laughs> but, um, but we still go. I told you my dad has a country house in German, which is actually my husband's name. Uh, and he loves it. It's on Candlewood Lake. And I, I don't know if that's closer to you than we are, but we could figure it out. I'm it's... sure we could um, take the train or rent a car. We just rented a car for our anniversaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'd love to have you come out. So I'm going to try to talk you into it when that time Meet comes. Meet you. Okay. <laughs> this, is <laughs> this is good. Uh, let's see. Do we have any other questions? Uh, let's see. A lot of good comments. People liking it. Surprised so liking the story. It's so amazing. I uh, love this story. They're liking what we're talking about, so this is good. This is good. Um, oh, Jamie says, I don't really enjoy dating, but I really enjoy being in a relationship. It seems contradictory to pursue dating when that's not really my aim. What do you think? Well, I think it's, you know, what is it, a necessary condition sometimes to being in a relationship unless, you know, you have a friend or something like when Harry met Sally's situation yeah, where right. you know the person <laughs> you just have the relationship because you realize you're attracted to each other. But I hear you. I feel like there's a lot of things. Like, I don't really enjoy going to the gym, but I want a good body, right? And maybe there's different mm-hmm. ways to do that. Sometimes some people say 80% diet and not the – so you know what I mean? And, and But I do feel like sometimes we need to do the things that are hard to get to the results we want. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, Jamie, you could just sort of work with a lot of attraction to turn around why you don't like dating because it could be that you – feel generally based on the past or on preconceived notions that it isn't fun or that people are going to reject you and you could have a different context. Like, you know, this is going to help me learn about what I like and don't like um, by dating or I'm going to go enjoy new places and have free dinners or whatever it is, right? Something more positive could make it ease the way a little bit. So, and that, I, personally, I mean, I, I only know Jamie online, but I, I've interacted with her quite a bit. And I, just from what I know about her, I, I think that she's somebody that, uh, you know, the right guy would be very, very interested in. So I don't think she has a problem attracting the right guy. I think, like you said, it's just, no, I'm just more about, about the, the dating game. being a chore. You yeah. know, a lot of people feel that. I don't, I almost don't know anyone who's like, yay, let me date. Although it was <laughs> yeah, funny. <right. laughs> I, I used to teach workshops at this place called the Learning Annex and they closed down and I had a lot of men in my, in my groups. Cause, and, um, usually I have more women. And uh, anyway, this one guy was telling me that, he, he likes to date. He's more old school, but he's trying to find the one. But now it's almost like with Sex in the City, there's a whole subset of people that actually don't want to find anyone. They just like to date. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, so All right. They'd be like, so where are you going to take me? And if it was somewhere really cool, they would want to go. It wasn't even about <laughs> it. It's like the almost exact opposite of putting so much pressure. People hate dating because of the results. It's like an ROI. Why right. date if I'm not going to get good results? It's painful, the waste of the process of the time and stuff. But these people, they like the actual place they're going to. They don't even care about the person, right? So that's the opposite <laughs> extreme. But there is that too. Like people who are just dating to date or have sexual experiences, have fun, go out, be single. That's what they're ready for. Uh-huh. So also you can't assume everybody's on the same page that's as you. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. yeah so I, I guess we'll bring it down to one last question and then I'll, I'll have you share how people can reach out to you. Yeah your books and so forth yeah oh yeah that's joy <laughs> that's, that's a male cat by the way joy is a male cat there's a whole story with that but um uh my, no my last question is okay so after all this stuff that we've been talking about there if let, let's assume that the, uh, the person that we're addressing right now is somebody who wants to date for the purpose of creating that that long-term relationship they're frustrated for various reasons you know things aren't working out for a number of possible different reasons but 
it's sort of like a blanket answer. How do you go about trying to resolve the situation? I am somebody who can't seem to find anybody. Where do I start? Well, I talk about in my first book, Dating from the Inside Out, Marrying Yourself, and I actually, I know it sounds like a little wackadoo, but I actually have a ceremony that you can do on the beach or in a park or in your room or whatever where you marry yourself. You commit to liking your life and yourself and being complete and working on yourself no matter what. So you're not feeling at the effect of dating because what happens is people feel like their whole identity is good or bad based on how they're doing in dating or whether they have a mate. And unfortunately, sometimes society will also enforce that, right? Mm -hmm. Like in a Bridget Jones where people are so mean, so or relatives or what have you. So I say we're like a bicycle wheel, right? You're a daughter, you're a worker, you're single, you're whatever, you're a volunteer, all these different things, right? You're an Mm -hmm. athlete. And just because you don't have somebody doesn't mean you're not complete or you don't have a great life. So I think the first thing with somebody who isn't succeeding in dating is to really like themselves and refocus on their self-care, their self-esteem, making themselves whole, and then looking at what limiting beliefs are stopping them and challenging them to make them more positive, stay more inside out positive context for what Mm -hmm. they want to manifest. And then to, like you said, kind of release things and just go have fun Mm -hmm. and see the universe sort of take over, but also to take action, right? So you're, so you're aligning your thoughts, feelings, and actions with what it is you want. I said that was the last question, but apparently I lied because there's another one from the audience. So Jamie has one more follow-up question. Okay, Jamie. <laughs> she says... It Thanks seems... for being here, Jamie. Yeah, she's like our fan today. She says, it seems like people are very focused on the sexual aspects of dating and not focused on getting to know one another and building lasting friendship. What do you think about that? I Yeah, I guess it's a switch because I, I never really thought of it that way because I feel like a lot of people who come to me want to get married. So they're kind of like doing their P's and Q's and interviewing and everything like that. Um, but I have said, like I read a lot of articles that now people are having sex first or hooking up. And then that, then it's like sometimes even harder to get to know each other because you get in a pattern of just hooking up. And there's even things, scenes like that in sex in the city where then they don't talk and to try to yeah. go out is like weird afterwards. Right. So there's no rules about like when to have sex. But one of the things that some proponents will say is like that it, that women have oxytocin and it takes some you know, then they bond right after, which I don't think is always true of women, but men, you know, take time to like attach. They don't necessarily associate with that with sex. And again, that might be a stereotype. It could work either way, but that's why it can be good to get to know each other first or say things a little bit more slowly so that you can see what, what the fit is on all different levels. Cause sex mm. can be a real drug, right? Sure. And it can really you be with the person and then you realize that you have nothing to talk about. And when you're older, that can wane a little bit and, you know, you need to talk to the person. So I think it's not an either or situation and there's no rules about it, but it's important to know like what sex means to you, why you're doing it, what your expectations are around it. So you won't be disappointed or angry at the other person to take responsibility for that, but also to know what else you're looking for, mm, so yeah. what the, what it means. I think this is where I, I would probably be a little bit lost when it comes to the modern dating scene, because I grew up and and dated in a time where it was all about having that personal connection so that you could get to know somebody. Um, Now, the stereotype certainly existed of the the men who were just interested in the sex and maybe the relationship comes afterward. And and I guess there were probably men like that. I personally didn't seem to know any, but um, for me, I was kind of like the opposite. I, I, I really wanted the relationship before the sex. And it was, it was disconcerting. 
it was confusing. I was I was one of those guys who was really really confused about women. I, in fact, I remember in my late thirties having a conversation with a woman I worked with, asking her, "Would you please explain women to me with little diagrams and circles and arrows? Because I don't get it. I don't understand what they're thinking about." Now, looking back, now I understand what it was. You I was and so Freud. About. Yeah, me and Freud. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, you know, your unconscious seemed to know exactly what you wanted, right? Or I whether did. that's your unconscious or your higher self. So it's interesting. Like, you and, knew that. And Lu- Louise what? met that because what, what I was re- actually reacting to was gamesmanship. I was running into a whole lot of game playing and I didn't, yeah. I didn't even know what the games, I didn't know I was playing a game. I mean, I was yeah. really clueless about how all that worked, you know, and the idea of, you know, playing hard to get and all that was just like brand new to me. I'd never heard of it before. So it was way outside of my realm of expectation. Um, when I met Louise, Louise didn't play any games at all. You know, if, if she wanted a hug, she would do this. Like, oh, well, I know what that means. <laughs> that's really easy. I can, I can read that signal, you know. So it was very clear. We, and that's one of the things I love about our relationship. We're really clear. We don't, we don't mess around. We don't, we don't try to fool the other person, try to get them to do something or whatever. We just say, this is what I need. Oh, okay. Here, I can do that. You know, very, very, very. And plain. that's a really good message because I think, and again, I don't want to knock anybody, but there are certain books I won't say what that really got you to play games and oh. really popularize that notion. And people would come into my office with those books. Well, this seems to work, and I'm like, yeah, it might work, like because it is a psychological game, and maybe people like men might be more interested if you're like unavailable. But eventually, they're going to know who you are, and they're going to be like, how are you going to stay married? You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. It's not a real match. It's not authenticity. So I was never for that, even when I was dating myself. Yeah. And that was a popular thing at the time. And that's one of the reasons I wrote my book, Dating from the Inside Out, which kind of happened first experientially in terms uh, yeah. of meeting then and then making it into philosophy and doing classes and such. But anyway, I, I really do feel like that's very important to be authentic, to be yes. clear, and that women need to learn that too because – you know, I get a lot of guys who are afraid to go in a bar all the way across the room and she's with her friend and then she'll be really nasty. You know, that's like a traumatic situation. Whereas it if is. she smiles, gives him like eye contact and it's not a game, but like just do some of the work. So then, you know, it's clear. And then from the beginning, that's making it easier. So I agree. In fact, it makes me wonder, that- there, there's that study that's been replicated in a number of different ways. This usually is associated with a company. Um, where they're trying to improve the productivity in the company. And the study is what happens if you institute a rule that says if you get within 10 feet of a person, you have to smile at them or acknowledge them in some way. And if you get within five five feet of them, you have to acknowledge them by name. And that companies that implement that kind of policy see tremendous increases in productivity, hospitals get better care. I mean, all kinds of stuff that happens out of that. And I've been wondering what happens if you do that in a relationship situation or, or at least in a meeting situation? What, what happens if you institute that kind of a policy? What do you think? I think it's an, it's a great idea. They should try it because somebody else did, I think Aaron, somebody did a study where he gave like 36 questions or something like that to couples. And they found that they got married and fell in love because, again, that meaningful connection, drawing out. So I think all these things probably work. If they work in other settings, they certainly would have an impact because I read somewhere, too, somebody, I get different journalists contacting me about different things, and they were asking, like, what makes people like you? And I remember reading a study that said people like to hear their name. So it kind of goes with what you're saying, right? And eyes are the, the windows to the soul. So making eye contact really, you know, makes sense, right? And I think we're all craving belonging and a meaningful connection. So we can all do our part to change the culture just because it is online doesn't mean that if we have a different intention, a different way of being that it can't shift. 
And I've always um, thought that, that smiling was really important. I mean, uh, I, I often say it to women who are expressing some sort of misgiving about how they look or whatever, but it really is true for both men and women. I think everybody looks more attractive when they smile. I don't care who yeah. you are. I don't care how ugly or how pretty you are. Everybody looks more attractive when they smile. And I just, yeah. I just think, I mean, you don't want to fake it. You don't want to be put on that, you know, I am grinning. You don't want that kind of a thing. But you you want yeah. to actually release. I, I think I think it's a good idea to just kind of release who you are through a smile. And when you do that, you just attract better people. That's my that's what I thought anyway. And you're less threatening, right? Yeah. It's sort of off with the law of attraction, what comes first? Are you with the effect of the condition? Because if you're like, oh, I don't want to be here, you're going to fake the smile, right? Yeah. But if you think of things that make you happy or things that you're grateful right. for, then it'll come from the inside, and then that'll invite more of the same. So I think that's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, thank you. You just reinforced something. I wasn't really sure if, what a psychologist would say about it, and here's a psychologist telling me, so I feel a whole lot better now. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm into the law of attraction like you do. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. That's key. That You're right. you you got to feel good if you want to attract. And that it's, it's true for attracting a mate as it is for attracting a new car or a house. It's the same thing, really. You know, it doesn't make yeah. any difference what you're talking about. So, Well, this has been great. Thank you very much yeah, for taking the time to you. do it's this. Fun. I will be in touch with you once I figure out how to get this workshop going. So you can expect the contact. Okay, awesome. Okay. Yeah, we'll just figure out the transportation. I'll be there. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe, you know, you can take a train out to Greenwich. We'll pick you up at Greenwich or something like that. I don't know. We'll figure okay. something out. <laughs> All right, great. It'll be good to meet you and your wife. Hey, before you yeah. leave, tell people how to reach out to you, particularly about your books and about your practice if they're looking for a coach. But, you know, how do they reach you? Okay, so my website's really easy. It's my name, Dr. Paulette Sherman, D-R-P-A-U-L-E-T-T-E-S-H-E-R-M-A-N.com. And uh, my books are on Amazon under Dr. Paulette Kaufman Sherman, I think, K-O-U-F-F-M-A-N, my, my maiden name. And then here is, nobody's seen it, but a preview of my print. Uh, yeah, my proof of my print, but that should be out. Who knows when? That's <laughs> <laughs> On Facebook dating platform, what happened was, um, as I told you, like they announced it was coming out at the end of the year, so I was ready to launch. Then I thought, then they had all these issues, so I thought maybe Valentine's Day didn't happen. Just gives me more time. But whenever that comes out, I will be launching this book in tandem with them. That'll and for people, for people who haven't heard, tell people what this app is all about as you understand it at this point. Obviously, if it isn't out, you don't know the details, but tell us what you know about it. Okay, so Facebook dating um, will be on the Facebook platform. So that means like for elderly people and people who are not so familiar with apps or don't really like the stigma of them, they're already on Facebook, so that's really nice. And there will be different things maybe from other apps that um, will open up possibilities on different levels. Like you could be at a concert or at an event or if you – are a proponent for breast cancer causes like, like I am or water or something, you could be on a group and you can actually see if they unlock that feature, only if they unlock it, who's single. So you could go up to somebody at a concert and be like, you're cute, you know what I mean? They're see that they're cute. And so it is sort of like an organic me cute, but you're doing it all from the Facebook dating platform. So there are those kind of options. And then also, again, nobody can know you're on. If you're worried about that, there's safety issues. Like nobody can know your relatives that you're dating anybody unless you unless you unlock that feature. But later, let's say you're dating someone and you want to see their family or their friends or how they interact, you can get much more of a sense about them if you both unlock those features and you don't have that option on other 
platform. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and also other features too, like you can make sure your ex or different people don't see that you're on there and a lot, lot of other things. So I think it has a lot of promise. And also, even though I know Facebook's having their sort of political troubles right now, one of the things I liked when they announced it is they said it's about meaningful relationships and they put things in place where you can't just swipe and see pictures. You actually read the whole bio. Uh-huh. You can't send in pictures, right? So the idea is that they went into it. They have a whole lot of uh, resources and team of people trying it out, getting feedback with the intention of really fostering their brand, which is supposed to be meaningful relationships over time. Mm. So I like that idea because, again, a lot of the complaints as a dating coach, and I'm not hooked up with Facebook right now or anything, but is that, you know, God, it's torturous. It's all the bad behaviors and all the people just looking to lie and have sex. And so I'm sure there'll be some of that anyway. But of course. Uh, if the intention is really to do it a different way, then I think that that's great, that, that there's yeah. a need for that. So, Well, when that app comes out, let's arrange a time to have you come back and, and tell us about the book. I yeah. would love it. Thank you. That sounds good. Yeah. Well, thank you, Paulette, Dr. Sherman. My pleasure. I love the fact that you took the time to do this. And uh, I'm look, I, I, like I said, I'm going to be dragging you out to Connecticut, so you can expect that call, that phone call or that email. Sounds good to me. It's <laughs> just snow is over, okay? That's right. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait till the snow is done. No doubt about yeah. that. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in as well. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Good weekend. <laughs>